welcome back to the Chosen Life Podcast. I'm your host, the Chosen Lawyer. Today, we have such a special episode. A young lady that I work out with every week over at our favorite gym, VSC. She is a model, social media influencer, body positivity. Raquel Benita, welcome to the Chosen Life. Thank you. What an intro. I marinate on those all day when the episode's going to happen, sometimes for a week. And I was thinking where we're going to go with it. And you wear so many different hats mm. that you can't just put you into one pigeonhole. Right. Well, you, you nailed it. So, so thanks for having me. I'm very excited to chat. Thank you for agreeing to be here. Of course. We got lots to cover today, by the way. I know. Throw it at me. I'm ready. She died. Usually I send topics ahead of time. I did give you a little sneak peek. Yeah. But I didn't quite go there yet. I figured it's going to be more fun if we make it spontaneous. So Yeah, you're just throwing me right into the fire and I'm here for it. Life is much easier that way. Yeah. <laughs> so firstly, how we met. It's funny because a lot of the guests, when they come on, people tell me, you know, how do you know them? How we connect? And it, people from all walks of life, yet we're all interconnected in some way. For sure. For you and I, it's, it's health and fitness, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's over at our at Bond Strength and Conditioning. Yep. Uh, over in uh, in Bond, obviously. And uh, how long have you been going there for? I started going in September. Okay. Um, when I used to be like an avid gym goer to like all the boutique fitness studios downtown Toronto. Okay. And because of COVID, they all closed and then they were opening and it was like very unknown. So my friend actually has been going to VSC for like years and training with John. So she was like, try VSC. So I started in September and I love it. And then we met. Yes. Yeah. It's funny, like, especially the morning people, right? Like when I used to do yoga, as far as every day goes, and I'd be at the studio at six in the morning, you see all the morning yogis yeah. and you're all got the same morning craziness. So like we all got to hang out, same thing over at the gym. For and sure. then we see each other like pretty much every day, first thing in the morning. Yeah. And you know, the thing for me, it's, I, I, I don't talk a lot when I'm there. I'm just like there to, to work out. I'm there to get my, my work done and go. Right. And when I see somebody that's very passionate and puts the effort in, I'm like, okay, like I want to see what they're about because I want to see like, you know, how can I bring my game up? And the one thing is I've always noticed when you're there, you're dialed in, you got your intensity and you really push in and you love it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's not really a point to go if you're not going to like be into it, you know, if you're just going to like dilly dally. But I also train with John and he's, he won't let me slack off. (laughs) So I, I might as well work hard while I'm there. Amazing. And John and you, uh, besides training together, also have a podcast together? We do, called Doing the Work. Doing the Work. Yeah. And as far as the relationship with John, like, you know, did you guys instantly start working together or how did that come to be? So I feel like it was a month or two into training. We would just like have really great conversations during our workouts. And it's obviously only an hour. So we would be like wanting more and we would text after and like, we, he took a break from social media. I obviously have a love for social media. So I was social media loves you. you Yeah. (laughs) You gotta love it both. Um, so I was telling him like, you have to get back to social. You'll do really well on there. You have like a great opinion about so many things. Um, and then I was like, you should actually start a podcast. And then we ended up starting one together just because we have a lot of similar opinions and similar interests, but also differing opinions. And we are so different. Like he's 10 years older than me. I'm a woman, he's a man, so it's just like a great perspective. It, it blows me away because I know you had your podcast originally before the one with yeah. John, right? Mm-hmm. Confessions of a Thick Thigh? Yeah, you got it. I pronounced it right? <laughs> yeah. The, the double C in the thick really throws me off. I so know. Like, and then, you know, I'm thinking as far as when you and John came together, here are two people that are as opposite as you can get. 
Yeah. You can picture on the different spectrum of everything as far as life and philosophies. And these two are coming together and they're going to talk. I'm like, I got to hear this, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. But when I'm listening to you guys speak, you guys are on the same wavelength. It's amazing. You're total opposites, but like you flow together so well. Yeah, I think that's why we really like mesh at the beginning because when we started training, we both didn't know each other because how would we ever meet each other? Like you said, we're from two different walks of life so many years apart. But when we started chatting about different topics, whether it was like COVID or body image or fitness or mushrooms, like we all, like a lot of our opinions were the same and we were like, why not start a podcast? So I got to tell like, you know, people watching this are all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, to fully appreciate it, when you walk through the streets of Thornhill, through Vaughn, BSC, like you are a very well-known person. Like you are out there on social media. When my nieces found out that you're going to be on, they're like, ah, Raquel. <laughs> like, you know, they get so excited. Nice. And, and you have that kind of like, you know, that, that energy that is exciting people. Yeah. And they're like, we can't wait to hear what you guys are going to say because they're saying like, we're direct opposites. But you guys are be talking. We're going to be tuning in. So, you know, that was very cool. Mm -hmm. And so from that end of things, you know, to be able to appreciate what you're doing right now, you know, help me understand, help the viewers understand what is the Raquel story before you came to be where you are today as far as on social media, modeling, body positivity, podcasting. Where did you begin? What are your origins? Yeah. So I grew up in Toronto. I'm 23, by the way. Um, and I've always been into health and fitness. Um, but I grew up as a chubby child, so I struggled a lot with my body image and food and going to camp and being like the heaviest kid in my cabin or getting bullied and stuff. And I always hated my body and hated me and always wanted to change. Um, so fast forward when I was 16, I went to a nutritionist and lost 60 pounds and I was like, oh, my life is finally good again and I can fit into clothing that my friends wear and like have a date to prom and everything was perfect. Um, and then I went to university and I developed an eating disorder, which is called orthorexia. So if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's different to anorexia and bulimia, which we all hear about in movies and stuff. It's more like an obsession with food, worrying about what you're eating, the, like if it's quote unquote clean ingredients, um, and just like being really fixated on that. So I developed that and so that was about for like a year and a half, um, which just proves that like weight loss doesn't equal happiness. And that was something that I had to learn the hard way. But I think I learned it and I'm so happy that I did have that experience because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Um, and then I went to therapy, which was like the first experience to therapy. And I just feel like throughout my whole life, like mental health and body image and all these things were so taboo. Like nobody talked about therapy. And if you went to therapy, you like had a mental issue. And if you had body image issues, you were like weak and all these things and eating disorders were just like pushed under the rug. And I started like recovery and I was feeling really good. And I was like, I think I want to start talking about this because I started my Instagram when I was in first year and that was like when I was in the thick of my eating disorder and so I was like very fake on there like everything was fine and I'm loving my life and how long ago was this about approximately this was about like six years ago six years ago okay yeah okay um and maybe yeah maybe a little more when I was 18 mm -hmm. um and so on the flip side I was like maybe I should open up and be real and like explain to people how, what I've been going through and like that it's okay to struggle and that I'm here and there's been like what many more people before me and many people after me who will go through this experience so why not share it and I'm like a very open person if you follow me on Instagram you know that so I was like why not 
Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I am today. During COVID, um, I switched my account from body, sorry, from like the fitness weight loss yes. fake vibe to body positivity and then to body acceptance when I learned that body positivity is more for marginalized groups just out of respect. And mm -hmm. that's where I am today. And we'll definitely be talking about body positivity <laughs> today. Absolutely. Anybody who talked to you and talk about what you're doing, that inevitably will come up. For sure. And I can tell you that where I connected with your Instagram account and reading through your stories is that I don't see myself in a 22, 23-year-old woman's body. Right. But I'm listening to your experiences and I think about my own experiences. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I would almost be assured that anybody who comes and speaks to you and connects with you and tells you what they've been seeing their story and they, they feel the need to tell you their story immediately like right. i'm listening to you and i'm like i have to tell her my story yeah. immediately you know yeah. and whether it's you know if you grew up thin and then you put on a whole bunch of weight and then you kind of looking at yourself I, I don't know from my own story like i was always at a certain weight that's how i was like literally my whole life and i always pretty much had the same waistline and then one day it just went on me like mm -hmm. i just I turned a certain age and it just went and I looked at myself day after day, and I just felt so defeated. I said to myself, no matter what I'm going to do, it's never going to get better now. Yeah. And I gave up. And, and then I made the decision that I was going to make my changes, and then I do that. But it's amazing because, like you're saying, and, I, and I'm relating, you know, no matter what age you are in life, when that light bulb goes on, yeah, all of a sudden you can have the image of what you think is like perfection, but it's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. You have to maintain it. And no matter what you do, it feels like it's never enough. For and sure. then you got to be more and more and more. And uh, having done bodybuilding, for example, and going through that, and you're given a spreadsheet and you have to watch every morsel what you eat. And you feel that utter guilt from eating that one little piece of chocolate mm -hmm. or one extra scoop of rice. And it's, it's not healthy. It doesn't yeah. feel good to, to feel guilt ridden with food, right? For sure. And that's where I like, no matter what our body shapes are, no matter where we are in life, we all can have this kind of relationship with our bodies, with our food. And I can tell you that at least for myself, I don't have that, that spreadsheet anymore where I'm weighing myself every single week. Mm -hmm. And I don't look in the mirror at all anymore. If I'm hitting my own targets in the gym and my clothes are wherever they're fitting on, I don't care anymore. And that feels good. That's you know, amazing. it's, it, but it, it takes for some people to, like, it took me a lifetime to get yeah. there. It takes people time. Like people say that I'm well beyond my years because I'm doing what I'm doing now. But I think like it happened for me early in life, I guess. But yes. for some people, like you said, I'm 23. I'm a woman. A lot of people think that they might not fit my niche or they might not get what they want out of my content. And I'm like, you don't have to follow me. It, I'm not here to sell myself. I'm here to tell you that like there is a, a positive way to live life that doesn't have to be about weight loss or restriction or constantly seeing like diet ads. And we like, we've all lived that life. No matter where you come from, you're fed from the second you're born that you're not good enough, that you need to change your body, that you need to watch your calories and macros and all the shit. Right. 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 And like, it doesn't have to be like that. It's, uh, I've seen you train with your mom. We could talk about her. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you guys were sisters, but that is your mom. That's my mom. Yeah. She's doing amazing. Like you can see as far as the work she's putting in. Yeah. She, uh, did you get her into the fitness world? Did she get you or how did that work out? So she actually got me into the fitness world. Okay. She loves going to the gym and, and she's like, since I was a little kid, she brought me to fitness classes and dance classes and like all the fun little things. Um, I got her into VSC, okay. but into like CrossFit because CrossFit is like a scary word for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, she sort of like got me into fitness and then I've been teaching her a bunch of stuff now. I got to say like watching that way, like I'm with my son, but it's, it's, it's funny. We you know when you have that influence, especially at home mm -hmm. and you can feed off of each other's energies, 
makes life so much easier, sure. I think, to do it. I can say that I've seen a lot of people that are in, let's say, very bad relationships, whether it's parental, kids, their spouses, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is. When that person is not feeling the same realm as that other person, and they're saying to you, like, why are you putting all that time into the gym? Mm -hmm. And then especially those ones that supposedly love you and are supposed to take care of you, they're the ones who could be harshest on you sure. body-wise. And I think that's where a lot of us get our self-image at the end of the day. It's yeah. from either family, friends, or whatever be it. Like, you know, a lot of it, they say it's society, and we look it up on the internet, and we see what the, the figure of a person should be, and that's what I want. But, you know, for the people listening to this, how many people are close to us say, aren't you a little too chunky? Aren't you a little too skinny? Are you going to eat that? Are you mm -hmm. sure about that? You know, and those people are supposed to be so helpful, but those voices sink into our heads and it hurts. Yeah. I mean, when you like when you're bullied in school or when you're shamed or when you see the Kardashians like losing 16 pounds for the Met Gala, you get affected and triggered, but it's like mm -hmm. you can brush those things off when somebody who you love or one of your friends constantly is like, pounding you down that you need to lose weight or you need to change or you shouldn't eat that. Those are the things that stick. And especially I'm like all about um, like childhood wound healing right now and yes. talking to parents about like what to and not to say to their children about food in their bodies because that's where it stems from. Like you said, it can happen in the media and the movies. Of course, we're never ever going to get rid of diet culture. It's a trillion dollar industry. And regardless, movies and TV shows are always going to have that stuff. But I think when you can have a good base at home and teach your children, like it's okay to eat French fries and you shouldn't even like bring a big deal to junk food and mm -hmm. all of those things, I think that's where the difference is made. Cause kids spend majority of their life at home and at school, at least till they're like 16 or 17. So, you know, if you could create those good roots at home where they feel supported and they don't feel the need to change their body or not eat carbohydrates, like the amount of young kids who worry about the word fat like my six-year-old cousin asked, why is she fat? I'm like, please don't, don't ask that. Don't worry about that, you know? But it's inevitable these days. Absolutely. And I find, you know, for a lot of us, high school are the toughest years. Mm -hmm. That's when the bodies are developing, hormones are going, bodies are changing. And it's, it's a really hard time. And kids can be extremely, extremely cruel. For sure. I know I did not enjoy my high school experience at all. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. Some people love it and all the power to them. Yeah. But I find that there's a level when you go to college, you go to university, you go into the workforce, and you meet people that they stop judging based on those items. And yeah. they just connect with you on real levels. For sure. And it's very, very refreshing. Yeah. I, in high school, I like, it was funny. It was sort of like a social experiment without it being yeah. intentional. But when I was like my own body size from grade nine to 11, I like didn't have any attention from boys and, and like I had my friends, but it was just like my friends. And then in grade 12, when I started losing weight, like everyone was like, oh, you look so good. And I like started talking to boys and I was like, this is just shitty. Cause like, it's not even their fault for being shallow. Like we are just taught, you know, right. that like you judge people who are fat and you praise people who are skinny, regardless of their personality. And it's just like such a shame. Yeah, no, it's absolutely so. And in dating, especially people, it's funny. Some people have what they think that are the quote unquote types, mm -hmm. but people will say, oh, is she skinny? Is he heavy? Mm -hmm. are, what are they like? You know, and, and, and the first thing, they don't know the personality, don't know what to do for a living. It always, you know, starts off with superficial means. Absol for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and when I went back and I did search through your Instagram and to understand the context of it, because you were, you were mentioning as far as from high school, mm -hmm. you look at those pictures and you put the two people side by side where you are today. When you look at that person, you know, I, I, I don't even recognize her. Yeah. You know, she seems like such a different person now, right? I know. Even when I started going to therapy and then like, 
even now when I think back, I'm like, it's so crazy because like my smile was different and like I felt like I was living in a bubble that wasn't my own body and like even though I was so skinny and that was like all I had hoped for my whole life, you yes. know, and like the jeans that I, that I wore back then, I still have them. Cause like, I don't know, I just can't get rid of them. And like, when I look at them, I'm like, I don't even want to fit back into them. I'd rather be this size and like be able to just like be me. I'm like, I was never this confident to like sit down here and talk and like show my body on Instagram. You know, it's just, everybody goes through waves and I feel like I finally found my, your, my, my way. Your niche. Do you, do you think that that person that had lost that weight and, and, and had that relationship with themselves, if you had stayed on that path, do you think you would have been where you are today as far as modeling, as far as social media influencer? Or do you think mentally you would not have evolved? You think you, you think it would have like held you back? I think it would have for sure held me back. I think, yeah. um, like I said, I wasn't even like confident enough to do majority of the things that I do today. So back then I would have been like, Oh, you want me to model for your brand? Like, why do you want me? You know, like just self doubt and stuff. Cause I didn't even love my, myself back then. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it would be the same. Cause I think I have such a passion for what I'm doing that it like shows. And even though I only have X amount of followers, like it's really not that many technically it's like a core group of loyal people who like appreciate what I'm doing. So yeah, I don't know whether I would have evolved in a different niche because it would have been more like fitness and weight loss, but I'm really glad that I'm not there. <laughs> it's funny. We were talking off camera before about uh, podcasting, starting up a podcast, mm -hmm. what that's like. And it, you, you bring that up as far as the influencer, uh, then what's the measure of a success, yeah. right? And I get asked all the time, how many likes did you get? How many people are following? How much did they gain there? How many comments did you get? And there's so many different mediums now, right? Yeah. Between all the different ones. And that can become pressure in itself as far as what is a successful influencer and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you as far as like what we're doing as far as, you know, speaking and spreading positivity. I stopped looking at that a long time ago. Like it's there and I know yeah. it's there. But if I, if I enjoy it and I and, and the guest enjoys it and we get good, good comments back, you know, you can have like hundred thousand views, but it's a lot of negativity and right. you can have like 5,000 views and all of a sudden like, you know, 50 people liked it, but they're really engaged in it, you know? Right. So there's all measure for all of us of what success. For sure. That, that being said, you know, for what you're doing, you know, very few people can do that as far as actually being on social media, putting it all out there. Like it's all pretty much out there, right? Yeah. Like you're not holding back. You're getting changed. You're going here. You're drinking this. I'm getting changed again. Yeah. This is my new outfit. This is my, you, you're okay with that. And it's, it's, you know, to connect with your audience that way, did you find that as a struggle starting off? Was there limitations? How did that evolve for you to being the social media influencer you are today? I mean, I definitely worry about judgment. I'm like a human. So even though I try not to, and I'm like, it is my body and I get to post what I want, there's always judgment. And there's always people who are going to, you know, think what you're doing is stupid and embarrassing and you should just get a real job and like all those comments, you know, and I, there's like a feature on Instagram that you can see people who like send your post, but you can't see who did it. So like when people send posts, you automatically think that they're like making fun of you or talking shit about you. Um, so yeah, I obviously second guess myself, but at the same time, I'm like, look where I've come from by myself and look where I'm going. And I've made this into my job and I make money from it and I love it so much. And I wake up every day on the right side of the bed because I'm doing what I want to be doing. And so, yeah, there is obviously the part of me that looks at likes and comments and hate comments and hateful DMS. And I'm like, 
But sorry for swearing. That's okay. We'll edit it out. Um, but you know, I just I'm like it is what it is. This is me. If you don't want, like everybody has a choice. Mm-hmm. And I heard this amazing um, metaphor once on social media or analogy. And it was that like, when you go onto somebody's page, it's their living room and you choose to sit in on their living room and their conversation. And if you don't like the conversation, then you can leave, but there's no need to come into the conversation and follow the conversation and then share your hateful comments. You have the choice to leave whenever you want. And you can even like block the person so you don't have to see their posts, but there's no, yeah, like there's no need for those like trolls who sit, the keyboard warriors who sit and make fun of people, you know? I got to tell you, like, I love the trolls Mm -hmm. in a certain sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We talked before, you know, and I commend you on what you're doing at your age. Because I can tell you at your age, I didn't have the guts to do what you're doing. I was blogging and, you know, I was gifted. I'm a gifted writer. You know, there's, you know, certain, you know, things that God gives us. Mm -hmm. And mine was the ability to write and to talk. But I didn't have the courage to speak it. So I wrote it. And even when I interviewed, we did it all through writing. And that was my comfort zone. The thought of sitting and thinking of millions of people over the world watching it would freak the heck out of me, mm-hmm. you know? But even still, when I was doing it from that realm, the worst thing I thought when you write something, when you speak something, when, is when there's really no reaction at all. Yeah. One, and, and, I, and I explain this to other guests when they come on and they're not used to it. And they said, oh my God, look at that comment. It's so hateful. I'm like, you have to understand, you hit a nerve, so you got a reaction. Good or bad, they are reacting, which means you put something out there. Right. That's a great thing. And if you don't succeed, you're like you're not going to get trolls. Like that's the way it goes. For sure. The more successful you're going to be, the more trolls you're going to get. You're just going to learn how you're going to manage it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, like even some trolls, when you do respond back to them and you call them out on it, but in a nice way, you can turn them around real quick because it's sure. very easy to just throw out hate and let it go. When somebody's actually calling you out on it and actually talking about why you're saying what you're saying, or maybe there's an inaccuracy, they're like, oh, wow, this person actually values my opinion. Mm -hmm. And then they become your biggest fan all of a sudden. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so easy to hate on someone when you don't know them. Like you said, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. when you see a video of me or or listen to a podcast that you were making, they don't know us. So like for them to say you suck or this is silly or whatever they're going to say, like it's so simple. And I could do it too. Like I watch people all the time who trigger me or who I don't agree with their stuff. And mm-hmm. I would, I would never write a hateful comment. I would write my opinion, yes. but I wouldn't write a hateful comment because it, a doesn't get me anywhere and B like, it just hurts them for no reason. So I'd rather either DM somebody privately and have mm-hmm. a like mature conversation or debate about a topic or just pass by the content. John and I have been talking a lot about like triggers. Cause when we first met, I was like, oh, this triggered me and that triggered me and this person. Um, And he was like, well, it's like, you know, when something triggers you, it's your responsibility, right? And I was like, no, it's not. And he was like, yeah, it is. And it just like has taught me that it is, it totally is your responsibility Mm because everybody has a different opinion and everybody has a different niche. And you can find people who have the exact same opinion as you. And you can just watch those videos over and over again or listen to those podcasts, but it's not going to teach you things that are outside of your opinion and outside of your realm. And it's important to have both sides, right? So like if something does trigger you, it's your responsibility to realize why it's triggering you and move on from that. You don't have to consume that content. That's the the privilege of social. You get to follow and like whatever you want. When we're talking like this, my image of the person sitting and watching this, whether it's on their phone, on their computer, on TV, they pulled up a chair beside us, exactly like you said, and they're hanging out with us and they get to watch. Mm -hmm. That's the conversation. Like this is the kind of conversation we'd have sitting at the gym. Now we're putting it out there so people can enjoy it. Certainly. So that being said now, 
people that are listening, especially, let's say, the younger generation, you know, a, a young girl, young guy, inspiring one day to be a social media influencer. You, I, I read your story as far as you, you were working before, as far as that nine to five or whatever you want to call that paycheck job. And you said, that's it. I'm going to go out on my own and I'm going to go in a different direction. How difficult was it to do that, to make that decision? And how long ago was that? And then what, uh, what is the life of a social media influencer as far as, you know, creating your content? If you can walk us through that. Yeah. So I quit my job in October and now it's May. Uh, so I guess, what is that? A few About months? half a year. Yeah. Yeah. Half a year ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I just decided that it was time to invest in myself. You're never going to succeed if you're, you know, if you have so much on your plate and you're spreading yourself too thin. And I felt like I was doing that. I would like be at work and go to the bathroom and answer emails for my personal stuff. And then I was like, what is this life? Like I can quit. It's not a big deal. And I'm really lucky to have parents who support me. So I called my parents and I was like, listen, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to try and do this full time. And I know that if I fall, you will support me, but I don't want to lean on that. I want to if I fail, I'll get back up. And if I succeed, then awesome. And yes. so they were like, you know what? Do it. Why not? Um, so I quit and then my podcast started and it was just up from there. I obviously I'm not making as much money as I would hope to, but it's been half a year and you're not right. going to be making, you know, 500 K the first year that you start or even a hundred K and it is what it is. But, um, you have to just believe in yourself and be true to who you are. And that's when people start to gain traction and also realize that you don't need to have a million followers to be considered a quote unquote influencer or do social as your full-time job during COVID TikTok blew up and mm -hmm. everybody's a TikToker now. And the, the opportunity there is crazy. And there's videos upon videos every day about people who are like, don't underestimate the power of social media and the paycheck that you can get. So it's like, if you want to do influencing or social media or whatever you want to call it, just, I would dive right in post consistently, be honest with yourself, like what you actually want to be posting and find a niche and it, you'll go from there. So on a typical day, as far as you're posting, cause you're a very consistent poster. Mm -hmm. And there's different mediums, certainly. I mean, we got Twitter, we got Facebook, sure. But really, at the end of the day, it falls down to Instagram and TikTok for, sure. for the most part, right? Yeah. And you look at your stories, like, you, they call it stories. Yours is a novel. Yeah. Like, there's, like, literally 50 stories going at a time, right? Yeah. Plus your posts. Does it have... Like in all seriousness, like does it happen randomly? Is there like a board the day before, like as far as what you're gonna be doing? How do you plan out your stories and posts on a daily basis? As yeah, an so it's funny because I get asked this question a lot, okay. and I know that some influencers have everything like in a calendar down to a T with a checklist. I'm like, no, 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 not me. I am very like spontaneous in the moment. You know, I obviously do plan things like when I have a brand collaboration, I have to plan ahead and send them the content and get it approved and stuff. But for me, posts, I will plan stories, though, are very like on the on the go. I used to be super on the go. Now I'm trying to like live in the moment and not really live through my phone. Um, it took a while to realize that, though. So I will like do something and then I'll save the post. I'll like save the video or save the photo and post it later on. So I'm not missing out on in the moment. But yeah, I'm pretty um, on the go. I feel like people see that and they like it and it's more yes. relatable than like me curating perfect content with like perfect everything. It's like that's so Instagram like 2012, 2015, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like perfect. I think everybody's more into like just 
you know, whip out your phone and yeah. talk to your phone. Yeah. Yeah, it seems it, that, that it seems so. But that being said, and I figured that there's a lot of spontaneity, especially on the stories yeah. end of it. But a lot of the posts do come up very clean, and I think it just that's just practice. That's just yeah. generally doing so many of them mm-hmm. that it happens that way. Yeah. But between influencing, podcasting, modeling. Like your days are spoken for, I presume. Like yes, you know, my days are spoken for, and I'm a nutritionist, so I work nutri- at a clinic. Oh, I, I wasn't aware of that. Yes, okay. yes, I know I didn't mention it, but no. I work at a clinic twice a week, um, okay. doing holistic nutrition. So um, that that fills my week as well. What's what's a background on, on holistic nutrition? How does one go about? So it's pretty funny because I actually. When I was in grade 12 and I went to a nutritionist and lost that weight, yes. I fell in love with nutrition. I was like, this is so awesome before I realized that I, I was a little disordered. Yes. Um, so after university, I went to a program in Toronto for a year, a holistic nutrition program. Amazing. And holistic nutrition is more so just like embodying the entire person and asking them more questions rather than about just food and digestion, more about like their entire being and their entire lifestyle and focusing on like food as medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, it just aligns with me and I love it. It's amazing how many of us in this world, you know, that gets, we get attracted to that. And you mm-hmm. talked about clean eating and everything else. I know for myself, it's the feel good method. Mm-hmm. It's what my body wants. That's what I go based on at the end of the day. My body naturally wants some things. It wants to reject things. But I know, especially as I'm getting older, it wants cleaner and cleaner food. For sure. And, and from that end of it, you know, if I don't have to go to a drugstore and pop a pill, if I can figure out a way to do it naturally, mm-hmm. I'd rather go that route. As yeah. you know, I think a lot of people are realizing and even medical doctors are getting trained in these areas and are realizing that, you know what, exercise, nutrition makes a big difference. For sure. You know, so it's really great to see that. Yeah. So shifting over from there, uh, you know, building up the social media, influencing, and then how, how does podcasting come to you out of all things? We all found our, our particular past. How did you get to yours? Yeah. So like you mentioned, my Instagram stories are more of a novel than a story. Um, and I just realized that like I can talk forever and you can only get so much across on an app that people lose focus on, you know, like after you watch five or 10 stories, you're like, okay, next person I'm bored of Raquel or I'm bored of whoever. So I was like, I'm going to start a podcast because I can talk for hours and make different episodes and have guests. And it's like unlimited. It's my topics. I can swear or not. I don't get censored. So I decided to start my podcast and it's been really great. And you got, and like we said, we have the two of them, right? Yes. So what is the difference? So we got confessions of a thick thigh and we have doing the work, right? Which heavy load doing, it's heavy load doing one of them, Mm -hmm. let alone two of them, right? Episodes every week. Yeah. And what, what do you feel is the difference between the two? What are the goals of each of those podcasts? Yeah. So Confessions of a Thick Thigh is my personal podcast um, on the Colin app. Now it's on Apple and Spotify. And that's more so like everything that we've talked about, like body image, disordered eating, nutrition, um, having guests who are like also in the social media realm, but also fitness and nutrition and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it sort of like stays like that. But I also talk about like, female stuff or like random things, you know? Um, and then John and I, our podcast is called doing the work and it's a lot of, um, fitness and body image as well and nutrition, but it's also like I mentioned, childhood wound healing and taking responsibility for your emotions and more so like stuff like that. John's like really intelligent. And like I said, yeah, he's in these levels, like he's, yeah. a, he's on another planet somewhere. He really like a, is. Yes. And he's done a lot of like self-work and internal yes. work and I haven't. So he's really helped me like realize that internal work. And again, things like therapy and stuff like that are not 
does not mean that you're weak. It actually means mm. that you're like doing good for yourself and also just, yeah, like how to deal with certain situations in life. So Confessions of a Thick Thigh really, in, in my mind, is almost like a diary. Yeah. It feels like it's a confessional diary. That is, like, yeah. confes- like a, what was the diary of a wimpy kid? You know, that we all, you know, either <laughs> yeah. read or had kids that read them, right? And it, it's almost like sharing, like, your pain, but it's healing mm-hmm. because you're putting out there what your thoughts are, you know, good or bad. Yeah. And, and being able to share that with the world. And, and, and with John, it's almost like it, it's therapy of a different level. It's yeah. therapy for each other. For sure. And, and it's just putting out good information. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's been really fun to have a podcast with someone else because you can bounce ideas off of each other. 100%. Just like what we're doing right now. It's yes. like I've, find, I've found it really tough with confessions to talk to the wall because like yes. I'm talking to myself. Um, but I really just I have to plan ahead, come up with topics and also guests really help. <laughs> I, I can tell you that I, when I was starting up this one here as the chosen life I had a lot of opinions you know from a lot of people that did not do this mm-hmm. never done it will never do it yeah. but they still had their opinions of what's going to succeed and what's not for sure and it's tough because you know especially trusted people you want to take in what they want to say but at the end of the day you got to chart your own course you know they may not agree with the direction may not agree how your format's going to be but if as long as you believe in it, if the audience is connecting with it, that's all that matters at the end of the day. You exactly. Know? And, and for people that are starting off, when they're starting off a new podcast, you know, I ask them at the end of the day, what is your journey? Like, what is the purpose of this? What, what do you want to have out there? You mm-hmm. know? And when they don't have like their, uh, their, their, their main speech or their main uh, logo as far as like what they want to put out for people... And they're just, I'm, I'm just going to talk, you know, that's one thing, you know? Yeah. I, I tell them, you know, you, you may have to figure out like, you know, ultimately who do you want to reach, why you're doing this, because you're going to be doing this week after week after week. And eventually, like, you know, if you're doing something very, very niche, you may burn out really yeah, quick because you're sure. like, you know, you, you start repeating yourself. It's the same story. I know for myself, like I was really heavy into podcasts like during uh, COVID and like listening to them every day pretty much. Mm-hmm. But I get really bored of them. Like, yeah. it's like, it's the same people talking about the exact same topic every single one it felt like yeah. and i'm like i can't deal with this you know i need something a little differentiated for sure and that's where you're saying you know when when you're bringing on different guests and you're going different directions like you know people appreciate that for sure like for you sure. know but it's thought that goes into that like it's that doesn't happen by accident yeah 100 percent. like you said earlier um people are so quick to judge or tell you that it's not going to succeed but it's like y- you haven't done it right so like mm-hmm. rather than thinking that social media isn't a real job or podcasting is stupid or whatever it's like let me give it a try. And, and it really does take a special person to be able to put yourself out there and not worry about judgment or at least not let it affect you as much as other people might, you know? Which is a perfect segue <laughs> to I, I, what I see is where you're branching into like, this is like the arena, you know? Mm-hmm. Everything you're doing is all kind of building up into the modeling career. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, you know, and everybody can say it's kind of chicken and egg and they're saying one is this, one is this. No, it's really at the end of the way I see it is everything else you're doing is really building you up to that. And you're, you kind of found your niche, your calling, mm-hmm. I would say. And that's a really exciting industry, extremely scary. Yeah. A lot of people say they want to be models and they cannot do that. Like, you know, like they hide behind their curtain, like they put yeah. on their outfit and they can't even go show it to their parent, let it alone put it out there to the world. So. Right. You're putting on that stuff and you're putting it out there. Like, wh- how long did you know you were going to be a model? When did that brainchild come to you and how have you been finding it? So I didn't actually know I was going to be a model. It's funny to say that out loud because like I've only really done like five shoots. Yes. But um, it just happened randomly. Like I, every, when I first started my Instagram, brands would reach out like li- when I was like really little and 
they would say, oh, we just want you to like come and do a shoot with these like crackers or this smoothie. And I was like, okay, that's fun. And then I had my first like actual paid gig um, a few months ago and I've had like three since then. And I made a joke on my story and I was like, should I put model in my bio? And I did. And people obviously talked about it because they sent the stories. But I was like, you know what? It, this is my life. Like back to what I said, it's mm -hmm. me that I'm doing this. And like I have a goal in, in mind, so I might as well go for it. But um, modeling has been really fun. And I think that because of what where I've come from and like because I live in a quote unquote larger body and like have like come into the realm of body acceptance I think that that has also opened up a lot of doors for me because brands are trying to be more inclusive and when you see models you still see skinny models mm -hmm. skinny white women um walking down the runway but you are also now seeing people um of color and people in larger bodies actually being shown and represented which is a breath of fresh air and I am very happy to be part of that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, and, and from that end of it, like, do you start looking for, uh, an agent for that? Like, do you start like movies? Like, where do you see, <laughs> where do you see this going? Because you know, once you get, once, once it starts going, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, clothing line movies, like mm -hmm. there's so many things that it can lead to. Right. Sure. Do you, do you see, foresee where it's going yet? Or what's, uh, what's the game plan? I don't know. Sometimes I think so big and then I get overwhelmed. So I'm yeah. like, maybe I'll keep it small for now mm -hmm. and just do like random gigs here and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would be very, I'm very like open to everything. If I got an email tomorrow about being a t on a TV show, who knows where it would take me or other shoots. But right now I'm just sort of having fun with it and seeing where it goes. So again, that young person listening, uh, and, and they're saying, wow, you know, that's so cool. You know, she's grown in, into this kind of role. I've always wanted to be a model. That sounds so interesting. And this, even when I look over here, like this picture, right? Yeah. I'm not a model by any stretch. You know, I had one great picture on one great day that mm -hmm. a friend took and that kind of blew up. It That wasn't intended to be. And that became my logo. Right. But every time I look at that picture, I say to myself, I'm modeling. This is awesome, you yeah. know, and it's a, and it's a really good feeling, you know. And I'm sure every time, you know, for either a product or a service or what be it, when you see yourself out there, it's got to be, you know, the greatest feeling. You yeah, know? it is a good feeling. I like I did a shoot for a bathing suit company and like old me would be so embarrassed to wear a bathing suit. And then yes. new me is like very proud of that. And I clicked on their website the day of the launch and like my face was on the front of it. And I was like, ah, it's actually happening. And like. It was very exciting because whether like the money that came with it was great. It was like a job, but just like the, to see where I've come from. Cause like things can get very, like happen very quickly, like podcast, this, that TikTok, you know, modeling shoot. And then I like sit back and I'm like, I can't believe where I've come from in the past five years from like someone who was so embarrassed and ashamed when I was 60 pounds lighter to where I am today is just like two different people. And it just makes me happy. So I think then as far as modeling and social media influencing, it still comes back to VSC, comes back to the, the work, you know, doing the work, mm -hmm. the exercise and the nutrition, everything else. And there's a word that you use and I had my note here specifically and I put it in brackets and I'm glad you raised it. I hate the word diet. Yeah. I don't think, I just do not like it whatsoever. For me, I always think of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's a lifestyle we choose. And there's so many people I've seen throughout my life that they're saying, I need a quick fix. I need to do a crash diet. I need to go run a marathon. I need to go do a boot camp. I must fix this immediately. And from everything I've ever done and I've ever seen from people to succeed, 
it's like whatever you're going to be getting to, it's slow and it's steady. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 sometimes it's painful. It's not always the best. You know, some sacrificing involved to wherever you got to go. Right. But that diet, the idea you have to pop pills for it or you got to starve yourself or you have to take in a whole bunch of calories to do it. I, I don't like those extremes one way or the other. I just think it's an unhealthy way to do it. Your body, you know, reacts to it. And it just creates this unhealthy mental attitude with it. For sure. But but that being said with it, as far as, you know, um, do you feel like, for example, like there's the, from a modeling standpoint, there's st- I, there's still the categorization as far as like skinny model, plus size models and all yeah. this. And I wish they would just get rid of all these labels mm-hmm. and it just be model. But when somebody is in one realm, do you think that they get like then uh, typecasted into it, that it could be... Now I feel the pressure that I have to stay in this body because I'm going to like, for example, I've, I've read before about actors and actresses uh, that, that, that were heavier. And they said, if I if I lose that weight, I'm no longer the funny big guy anymore right. or I'm no longer the voluptuous woman. I'm going to lose all, all my roles mm-hmm. versus a person who's also very skinny and saying that I have to keep the skinniness or because if I put on the weight, I'm not going to have that character anymore. Yeah. So do you think that it almost becomes a pressure the other way to maintain it? For sure. Yeah, there's pressure with with any body type. I think, especially when it's your job, you're like, I have to stay like this. And I've thought of that too. I'm like, what if I did want to lose weight? Because I'm not anti-weight loss. I'm just anti-toxic diet culture. Um, So like, what if I did want to lose weight? Like, would people think that I'm a fraud or that I don't actually like my body or that I'm like putting out an image, like a, a false image? And that's not how it is. I think for me, I, I talk about body acceptance rather than body positivity, especially because I'm about like accepting your body in the now and you are allowed to change it. If you want to get lip injections, if you want to lose weight or gain weight, like who cares, right? Like everyone's like, if you get Botox, you don't actually like your body. And I'm like, well, that's just that, that person, you know, like everyone's allowed to do what they want. Um, but back to modeling and acting, I think there's for sure pressure to stay in your in your like weight class, if you want to talk like boxing or UFC, like, yeah, even with that stuff, like you have to stay in a certain weight class in order to fight. Um, just like you have to be in a certain weight class to be considered plus size or, or petite or whatever it is. So yeah, I think the pressure is crazy. And I think when people tell their like modeling stories, um, when modeling agencies are like, you have to lose five pounds and they're already a hundred pounds. I'm like, how could you say that to someone? But it honestly, it's the industry and there is change that's happening, thank God, but it's the industry, you know, and it's for people like Ashley Graham, who's a plus size model, um, who I love and like, but it's crazy. Cause like, she's a plus size model. She is stunning and she's like hardly plus size. And like, she's considered a plus size model. Which blows my mind. Exactly. I don't, right, I like, wouldn't. Yeah. If we're going to, if we're going to say who the poster child for body positivity, you may disagree with me. I would say Lizzo. Mm, yeah. As far as embracing who you are, using what you got. Did you see the one of her that she was going up into the airplane? Yeah, I love her. So she goes up to the airplane and her butt's just out there. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing covering and just butt's out there yeah. and she's loving it. And you read the comments, like, first of all, she's followed by millions and millions of people, mm-hmm. right? She's world famous. Yeah. She's absolutely embraced who she is. And, you know, as far as from her career, as far as singing, as far as acting, modeling, etc. You know, I, I would say she she literally would be the poster child in the States. For sure. But on that token, I think to myself, you know, take her versus, let's say, Kate Moss. You know, back when I was growing up, it was Kate Moss, and people still don't know who Kate Moss is. Mm-hmm. Each of the, they are, you know, as different as it gets, and they each have their pressures to maintain who they are. Right. If Lizzo went 
And I, exactly like you thought, my, I was thinking to myself, if Lizzo went and said, you know what, I'm going to lose a bunch of weight, I'm going to drop 60 pounds, 80 pounds, whatever it is, and she turns into Kate Moss tomorrow, I think a lot of people would say, she's a fraud, she was spreading all this body positivity, and now it's gone. And it's mm-hmm. a shame that all of a sudden now you have to be in, in one realm because you're spreading a message where the message could be, I could be anything, literally, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's one of the things that you always say in your body positivity it's not the shape of the body. Yeah. It, it's your mindset and your relationship with your body. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, going back to like people thinking that they might not um, be able to relate to my content yeah. because they might not be a 23 year old girl in a body that looks like mine. Body acceptance or body positivity or whatever you want to use, it's not only your physical body. It could be your mental, emotional, like it it could be in a disabled body. So it really does fit for anybody. And we all have something about us that we don't like. I just talk about the things that I personally don't like about myself, but you might have something else. So it really is a great niche to Mm. look at other hashtags or other influencers or people like Lizzo because it just shows you that like you can you can live a life that you do accept yourself or like yourself and i love lizzo so much and she actually has a new tv show i think it's on amazon prime yes um and she she's like casting backup dancers for her tour yes. and she like only casts plus size women and it's amazing and i i just think what she's doing is incredible and she's hilarious and it actually did happen to her during covid she went on a juice cleanse and like yes. turned vegan and people started freaking yes. out yes. because yes. apparently if you go on a juice cleanse or you turn vegan you want to lose weight people equate those two things yes. and i get it because she's always preached like anti-diet mm-hmm. and blah 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 but i mean if someone wants to drink green juice or be vegan like let them live she didn't like she I don't know she didn't wilt away and she also like that's her life and mm. she's still promoting amazing things yeah i was gonna ask you if you did see her as a role model like as far as in the body positivity movement mm-hmm. so you are yeah yeah. So, yeah i mean if you generally you know if you're into confident people somebody that embraces themselves and says you know don't worry about your body shape do your thing that's lizzo in for my sure. mind yeah where, where I struggle, you know, it, for my, myself, for example, and everybody's different. Everybody's very, very different. I'll put that out there right away. Just because one person's experience is one end mm-hmm. doesn't mean the other people are going to have that. When I, when I made my decision to drop my weight, it was purely health. It was right. like the doctor coming and saying, like, you're going to start going on cholesterol meds yeah. if you don't go and fix this situation. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I struggle with from a health perspective versus body positivity is when I see people when they're, when they're choosing, you know, I, I'm embracing myself. I don't care. But then, you know, as far as from the health standpoint of it, you know, diabetes and, and what can happen to cholesterol and, and things that people can cause themselves, you know, mm-hmm. premature aging, you know, when people don't look after themselves. But then, you know, like we started this whole thing off. You're at the gym. Mm-hmm. You're doing it. Yeah. You're putting in your work and you're eating well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people have this image that if you're going to be going to the gym and eating well, it's automatically going to look like this or right. it's going to look like that. Right doesn't have to be yeah that's my issue with it is like people automatically judge and i've had a lot of comments that i promote obesity and i'm just like where Mm -hmm. like prove to me that i do i'm a nutritionist who does care a lot about the food and the quality but i also will eat french fries and a milkshake because i'm a human Mm -hmm. and i do go to the gym all the time and i promote healthy lifestyle which is balanced healthy lifestyle is not eating chicken and broccoli and going to the gym every day it's not healthy as we both know you can count your macros and you can lift 100 pounds and do whatever but if you're not living life then like your stress is probably what's aging you not you know the extra 10 pounds on your waist so i think of course there are things to be considered with obesity like health problems it's i think it's very naive to say that 
no matter how large you are, health doesn't matter. I think it does, of course. But I also think that if somebody does want to live in a body that is larger or smaller or whatever, that's their prerogative. You know, we all know the the consequences of living in our bodies and we all feel a certain way every day. And if you feel sluggish every day and you're okay with that, then that's you. And if you don't want to feel like that, then, you know, there's ways to, to fix that. But I think it's just like the judgment that kills me. Like mm-hmm. random people will judge you for eating McDonald's in the, if you're in a larger body, but then in a smaller body, it's like, oh yeah, go you. Like you might as well live your life and enjoy, you know? So it's, there's always going to be judgment and, and things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely, I can tell you it's also, there's, there's the idea of extremes. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell you when I was in my most obese state, you know, my, my, my lunch every day was a uh, Philly cheesesteak sandwich, a, a heaping boutine right. and unlimited Sprite. That mm-hmm. was my lunch every day for about a year. Right. And that definitely would cause that, for sure. you know, no, no question yeah. about it. <laughs> but where people, you know, people have to understand, you know, it's very easy to judge other people. Mm-hmm. But until you live in their shoes, where like, two people can sit and eat the same meals day by day, by day, go to the gym, do the same workouts, and their bodies react differently. For sure. I can't tell you times, I, you know, going in yoga, people are saying, you know, how can that person be 300 pounds and doing yoga? Well, they do yoga almost every day. Mm-hmm. They actually are quite healthy eating, and that's their body frame. Yeah. Like, our bodies are all very different. For sure. But people automatically equate, if you eat a certain way and you exercise a certain way, your body will automatically translate into this. Right. And it's not quite... The, the thing and probably you can get to a certain state if you go past a certain point mm-hmm. but going to that state where okay i have to work out six days a week like you're saying i gotta eat chicken and broccoli every day for the rest of my life that's yeah. like a death sentence for some people and they, and they can't do that right so you know finding that balance at the end of the day and everybody's got to find their balance mm-hmm. it's I, to, in my mind if you're healthy your body's reacting well and you feel good then you're not hurting anybody for sure then why is it an issue yep i do agree yeah I love that. I think like, like I mentioned about the 10 pounds, like if, if living in a body that's 10 or 20 pounds over your goal weight is going to help you live your life. And like, you can eat the ice cream on the weekend with your kids and, and not feel guilty for it. Or you can go out on a date night and like not feel bad about drinking alcohol. Then that's where you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be 10 or 20 pounds lighter living in a body where you can only eat X, Y, and Z. And if you eat salt and you gain weight on the scale, then you're stressed. It's like, it's just not a life. So when people speak to you and, 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 you know, people come to you, like anybody who's a social media influencer, you know, they'll come to you. You have beautiful glowing skin. You're feeling good about yourself. They're mm-hmm. saying, I want to look like that. I want to have that glowing skin. I want to feel good. Mm-hmm. People come to you and tell you, you know, what do you do? What should I do? Do people ask you for tips all the time as far as what you're, you're maintaining yourself as far as for them? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, it's so easy to like look at someone from the outside and be like, I want to do what you're doing. Yeah. But like you just said, if you do what I'm doing, your body's not going to react the same way that my body reacts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I give people like blanket things like obviously you should be eating you know, good quality food and drinking water and and exercising. But it's like the boring things that people don't want to hear that are the things that go the longest, like what I just said, you know, like people want like, what kind of matcha should I drink or what kind of skincare should I do? And I'm like, those aren't really the things that like equate to health. Those are just like the extra fun things. Even like when I put mushroom drops in my coffee, I do those because I personally think there's a benefit, but that doesn't mean that it's like making me any healthier than the next person. So it's like the simple things, you know, good quality produce and lots of it and water and sunshine and those simple things. I love those things. Yeah. I I tell you there's four keys of life. Five if you want to get to a next level, but mm-hmm. four, exercise, nutrition, sleep, water. For sure. You do those four things, I think your life will be very good. Yeah. And then if you're ready for mindfulness and meditation, then you can go to another realm. Yeah. 
But, you know, listening to what you're saying, you know, you're, you're a nutritionist yourself, so you're helping people with nutrition. Mm-hmm. You came to VSC, you work with John, I work with Jared, you know, finding those, tra- you know, I find if you're trying to do things on your own, especially when you're a novice, have no idea, you're almost, you know, doomed to, to fail. Like yeah. that's just, there's no way around that, especially when you don't have the training in it and understanding. Mm-hmm. If you want to get into gym, you want to go to yoga, getting personal training, going into group classes, whatever you got to do to be active, go for it, you know, speak to people, nutrition, you know, go speak to Raquel, find out, you know, uh, what I can incorporate to my food. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is not, again, going in, I got to gain a bunch of weight or I got to lose a bunch of weight. It's how do I feel up here? Exactly. People don't realize what you're putting your body food wise, the training you're doing. It's not necessarily for the physical part. Mm-hmm. It's making your mind feel amazing. Cause I don't know about you when I'm not training and I'm not eating what, what makes me happy. I'm not happy. Of course. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. I injured my back like two weeks ago and I haven't trained with John in two weeks and I'm like, oh my God, I need to get back, you know, mm-hmm. but say uh, like back to the nutrition aspect of it. I think it's so important to, if you want to lose weight or whatever your goals are, gain muscle, whatever that's, that's you. I support it. Mm-hmm. I think a huge part of nutrition that is missing in a lot of people's lives is food freedom and food guilt and getting that out. So I think a healthy relationship with food is what should come first. Because that's what makes you ultimately, you know, feel good about the food you're eating. And if you're constantly stressed, the food that you're eating isn't being digested and absorbed in its most optimal way. So I think back to that, like nutrition, I'm personally not a weight loss nutritionist. Mm-hmm. I'm a food freedom nutritionist or a body image nutritionist, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I think everyone finds their way and, and what's good for them. And that's it. Yeah, just find your way. It doesn't be one extreme or another. Yeah. But at the end of the day, find something that your, your body feels to be happy and your mind seems to be happy. For sure. So now going into the modeling realm of it, mm-hmm. uh, I've seen I wanna, the next topic I wanted to bring about. And this one seems to be very popular. And I was curious about your thoughts on uh, OnlyFans. Oh. So yeah. whether you're a celebrity uh, or somebody starting off, you know, I, and I've seen people generating a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Like, and doing very, very little with it, mm-hmm. but it's because there's, there is a demand for it. For sure. And how does a person, when they get into the modeling realm and get into the social media part, have you thought about it? And what are your thoughts on it? So I have thought about it. Yes. I think that I personally don't have OnlyFans because there is mm-hmm. such a judgment around it and such a taboo-ness about yes. it. It's definitely a newer platform. And I think a lot of people use it for, um, not for, for like negative things, but mm-hmm. I think especially women are judged when they're on OnlyFans because they think people think it's like inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I haven't done it, but I've definitely thought about it because the income is crazy yes. and the audience that you reach is also crazy, yes. but I don't know. I don't know if I, if I'm into it, if I'm being honest. No, that's okay. Maybe in the future. <laughs> I, I put a lot of thought into it as far as seeing it, because you, if you're ever like bored and you would type into YouTube, you know, only fan horror stories and yeah. they have these cartoons, right? You're like, wow, I'd never do that. Right. But then you, you know, you listen to Paige Van Zandt, uh, MMA fighter slash boxer slash wrestler. And she says, my only fans generates me more money in a month than I ever would have made fighting, that's you know? And, and I've known people locally here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, that they're models, mm-hmm. not doing a lot of modeling, but they have their loyal group and OnlyFans. And it doesn't mean prostitution, doesn't mean, which people can do, they can right. put nudity on there, they can put a whole b- bunch of graphic, I don't know about OnlyFans if they do that anymore, but there's other platforms that are very similar. Mm-hmm. So a person can decide how much they wanna go to it, but the idea came to my head because one day you're modeling, you know, like underwears and bras and, and, and bathing suits, mm-hmm. and it's that simple that if that got blurred out and it got put onto OnlyFans, and you have a loyal group, 
be, that could be exclusive content, right? For sure. And and people pay big money for that. And I and I always thought I asked somebody who's doing that that I met, and I said, you know, what was the decision there? And they said, like, my money is crazy. Like, yeah. I, I'm absolutely like killing it. I get to make my only my schedule. Somebody does my shoots for me, and they're saying like it, it's a no brainer. But then, like you said, especially when you go into the workforce, if you're working in an office. And those people know you're on OnlyFans. There now, there's like a stigma to it. It's, yeah, there but, is. But but it, it shouldn't be. You know, people know. should. You know, it's supposed to be the whole thing about liberation. You know, feel comfortable in your own skin. You know, but no, it's funny in our society, it's still there, one form or another. For sure, it's like I feel like it's sort of like when uh, Facebook started, and you would look to hire someone, and the first thing you would do is look at their Facebook page, or like see if they are drinking alcohol or doing whatever. It's like. Now nobody really cares about that because right. like social media is social media and the person who you see on there might be different than the person in person. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think people definitely do judge based on OnlyFans and if you have it and what you're using it for. And mm-hmm. I think like you just said that that UFC fighter or MMA, yeah. um, there's definitely good ways to use it and you don't have to use nudity or profanity or any of that stuff. So maybe I will look into it because, you know. Like, like so Paige Van Zandt. Yeah. So she, she's not naked. She's pretty close as far as other stuff she generally posts, but she's married. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's now getting into professional wrestling. So she went from being an MMA fighter to bare knuckles boxing to wrestler. But she's putting modeling pictures out on, on her content for her fans. Right. And I see other wrestlers are doing that in independent scenes. And because I, I, I read a lot, a lot about wrestling. I love wrestling. I love boxing. Yeah. And that inevitably comes up. But the thing I'm noticing consistently, they're saying that for a professional athlete point of view, especially women, they're saying, I'm making a heck of a lot more money putting this exclusive content out here for my fans than I ever did professionally fighting. There's something wrong here. Something very wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty crazy. I think it's an awesome revenue stream. And I think if you you find your niche on there, then go for it. Because honestly, Instagram and other social media platforms are kind of plummeting um, for creators, especially. They're not really prioritizing us, which is crappy. But TikTok is definitely the way to go. But OnlyFans, maybe I'll look into it after this. Well, sorry, mom, <laughs> but I, I think she'd be making a million bucks a year easily doing that. Yeah, so. my mom's going to yell at you the next time she sees you at the gym. Whatever, just buy her a nice bracelet of Tiffany's and she'll understand. For sure. Wonderful. Well, yeah. won't keep you too much longer. Like, I know you're a very busy schedule. And it took us a little bit of time to get this thing organized, but really appreciate, you know, taking the time today for the viewers, talking about really positive subjects, getting to know you. Now, that being said, we got to know your story, got to know where you're at today. I- I'm going to harp on, I'm going to ask you, you know, 2022 and beyond, where's Raquel headed? Where can we see you? And where do you see yourself going? Um, well, I think I see myself doing what I'm doing right now, but I want to move to New York. That is my dream. I've been, I've dreamt of that since I was 11 years old and it's like held true. I really want to do it. And COVID sort of ruined that. Um, I was so close to getting there, but yeah, I want to move to New York. I think there's incredible opportunity there and just, it's just another beautiful city like Toronto. Well, it's actually not so beautiful, but it's like Toronto on steroids. Yeah. I just, people are like, why do you want to move to New York? It's like crazy. I'm like, I don't know the anxiety and like the pollution and the hustle and bustle just like fuels a fire inside of me. Um, so yeah, maybe do that and just continue on with, with social and podcasting and meeting new people. Amazing. Well, we're very excited for your future and your present. (laughs) Appreciate you joining us today and we'll have you back on, I'm sure, as the story continues. Would love to. Amazing. We'll keep following you on social media and we'll have all your handles on the episodes. People can find you and your podcast. 
Perfect. Thank you. Thank you again for taking time for us today, Raquel. Of course. Thanks for having me. And we sign off. We do the flex. Oh, yes. We, we do say, the flex. Keep living the chosen life. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>